This is Pastor Joseph Davis. Thank you for joining the radio ministry of Truth Gatherers Dream Center Church. We believe the Word of God is the lamp unto our feet and it is a light unto our path. This Word will bless you right now. Elijah, before he gets here to throw his mantle on Elisha, Elijah the prophet has just stood up to Jezebel. Jezebel was a tormenting witch and false prophet who castrated men, didn't allow men to walk in authority, had brought fear and torment to the prophets of God, had killed many of the prophets of God, but Elijah refused to allow Jezebel to have her reign. Elijah was like, no, before I allow you to destroy God's name, I'll stand up and fight you. When you understand the warfare he has with with Elijah has with Jezebel, you understand that Jezebel is only stirred up from Ahab. Ahab is the husband of Jezebel. So many churches always like to preach on Jezebel, thinking that Jezebel is makeup. Jezebel is in rings or Jezebel is something else like that and so many times they focus on Jezebel which is manipulation which is witchcraft uh, but they focus and look for the woman with authority and time you find a woman with authority those who are unlearned and those who don't like women who hear God and follow God will easily mix that up with being a Jezebel but the truth of the matter to really understand the full ministry of Jezebel you gotta understand the ministry of Ahab Ahab is the uh, pacifier. He's the passive mentality that allows a Jezebel to run free. So the only way manipulation and trickery can run in your life is because somebody is being passive. Somebody is not walking in authority. Elijah refuses to deal with this situation because he sees it's destroying the people of God. Not only so, it's also causing the people of God to go back in idolatry. The people of God are going back to worship Baal. The people of God are going back to the hill. And I'm not talking about the hill to worship God, but the hill to offer sacrifices unto idolatry. Treacherous things, terrible things are now happening to the people of God because they are getting caught up with Jezebel and Ahab. Also, there is great fear that's happening to the people of God. They are afraid to stand up. They are afraid to talk about who their God is. They're afraid. Rather, when they get into circumstance, they start leaning back to idolatry Elijah is serious about dealing with Ahab and Jezebel in the previous chapter Elijah is so fed up with it he tells them I need you to get all your prophets everybody who can tell the future and think they know what's going on in the world get all your prophets and I'm gonna get mine and we're gonna go down to Mount Carmel and we're gonna offer a sacrifice unto God and we're gonna prove who's the real God today we're gonna put God to a test we're gonna put our faith to a test and if your God is so real you're gonna have to show up he gonna have to show up in front of everybody we're gonna see what happens when you call on the name of your God versus when I call on the name of my God 
Elijah is at a place that at times in our lives you got to draw the line in the sand he says enough is enough making it seem like everything is just as powerful as God uh, that everything is just as strong as God everything has as much wisdom as God he says we're going to prove today that there is nobody besides our God he lays the sacrifice on the altar and when he calls forth the fire of God the fire comes and sweeps up the sacrifice licks up the water and a holy smoke goes before the Lord right in front of everybody proving there is nobody like God Elijah said that ain't all we about to do since y'all false prophets we got to obey the word of God that tells us what to do with false prophets he tells the people of God get the sword out and slow slain and kill every false prophet and he began to kill every false prophet this thing goes back to Jezebel that Elijah has killed all the false prophets many of the false prophets and has done this wonderful sacrifice at Mount Carmel Elijah next thing you know Elijah hears from Ahab gets message from Ahab and the people from Jezebel's camp that Jezebel said just like you did the people, of, the people of God that did my, prof, my false prophets, let it be done unto you. Many times in our lives, we start backing up because the devil start threatening us. Some of y'all start obeying God. And some of y'all are afraid to obey because every time you obey, warfare happens. And what it does, it makes you timid in your obedience. Some of y'all scared to get closer to God because every time you get closer to God, warfare happens and that thing messes you up, you back up all over again. Every time you say, I'm going to start going to Bible study, I'm going to start giving my tithe. Time you give your tithe on the first Sunday, the refrigerator go out, your tire blow out, extra money start happening and that fear grips, grips your life again. Every time you decide, for God I live, for God I live, I ain't doing that no more. Something in the spiritual realm gets upset and torments your faith. Trying to keep you from making a stand on what you know you should be standing on. I don't know about you, but some of y'all be getting tormented by the devil. You be getting threatened by the devil. Every time you tell God you're going to say yes. Every time you have a good breakthrough in service. The next week the children back up and warfare happens in your life. Elijah gets this warfare. And the truth of the matter, when he gets his warfare, Elijah is exhausted. The truth of the matter, there's times when you're fighting, there comes a time in fighting that you just don't want to fight anymore. When you don't put up five, five, five quarters of fighting, you're like, I don't want a six. I was good for five quarters and I'm tired. I don't know about you, but even as much as we love God, you'll get tired of fighting. If you don't have a break from warfare, your emotions will get tired. Your mind will get tired. If you don't have a break from the fights of the enemy, if there's not a reprieve, a season where things pause, where you can catch your breath, you get fatigued in your faith. Y'all ain't never said nothing. You was good three months ago, but since three months, you done been through so much, your faith can get fatigued. Elijah is tired. 
the same air, the same air. Oh, can I preach today? Some of us are so hard on people when they fall. I'm not saying that we don't tell people what the standards are, but you don't know everything people been fighting against. See, we only we, we act like people fail without a battle. We act like they fail without warfare. Come on in here. We only we only look at the fall. We don't think about the warfare. Elijah is a man who stood up against the prophets, but now that they want to kill him, he running for his life. He running for his life. He's running from Jezebel. The same man, say the same man. The same man. The same man. When you get tired, you don't act like who you're supposed to act like. When you get tired, oh, y'all ain't saying nothing. And sometimes we got to recognize when we just got tired saints. When we got tired believers. There are people who are just sometimes tired from the warfare. Elijah was a mighty warrior, but at this point when he hears that Jezebel wants to kill him, he's tired, and it's like the straw that broke the camel back after you done been through one thing after another it's the smallest thing it wasn't no big thing for for Jezebel to threaten him Jezebel had been threatening him all along but now she threatens him when he's tired she tells him I'm gonna take your life just like you did all these false prophets I'm coming to get your life Elijah, Elijah is so exhausted he started running for cover he has a servant that's with him that assists him in ministry. He's so exhausted, he tells his servant, I'm leaving you here and I'm going somewhere in a cave. I'm going somewhere by myself. Let me tell you something, you get real tired, even the help that God has put in your life, you don't even want them around you. When you get tired, you don't want to entertain no company. When you get tired, you don't want to tell nobody hello, goodbye. You don't want to smile, except when you want to smile. See, when people come in your midst, there's something about respecting people in your midst that teaches you you should smile and greet people. But when you don't want to greet no greet anybody, what you say is, don't come in my midst. No, I want to talk to nobody. No, I don't want to go nowhere. No, I don't want to entertain nobody. Why? Because I'm tired. I'm tired. Elijah is tired. He is tired from the assignment. He is drained mentally. He is drained physically. He is so tired in this moment that he wants to die. So first, the enemy through Jezebel threatened to kill him, but now he wants to die. He wants to give up his life. He's like, God, I done did what I had to do. I done lived for you long enough. I don't know about you. Sometimes sickness can hit your body that you just feel like, Lord, ain't no sense of having no faith for this one. You ain't never been sick where you thought you was going to die. If you ever been sick where you didn't think you was going to wake up the next morning, you didn't think you was going to live to see another day, sometimes you'll start making amends with everybody, you know. Start making amends with God. You ain't never been there. You've been on your sick bed. Sometimes your faith will get low. Rather than fighting to live, you will settle to die. He's at the place that he's not willing to fight to live anymore. He's making amends and he said, I'd rather die than have to deal with this. I want you to know that even in life as we go through, he went, he went through uh, these same things. He was sleeping under a juniper tree. He went and sat by a juniper tree, which is a sign of depression. Everybody say depression is real. But that ain't the whole story. <laughs> depression is real, but that ain't the whole story. Depression becomes a part of Elijah's life in this moment. Elijah is going through a real low. Not Elijah. 
Yes, Elijah. I believe the text. I love the Bible. You know why I love the Bible? It doesn't hide us from humanity and how God can invade humanity. I like it. That's why I love the text so much. Because if we only see Elijah as a superhero and don't ever see his scars and vulnerabilities, we'll never see what God can really do when we're weak. We'll never see what God can do for us when we're at our low. But thank God the writer was honest. He was honest to put what really happened in Elijah's lives. Can I tell y'all the truth? The people I'm really attracted to in ministry is people who tell the truth. Who tell you that they was once here but through God's grace they're over here. I don't really like to hear stories of people who are successful but we don't know where you come from. I mean you're successful but what, what, how did you get here? How, what was your story? What was your bridge? What was your pain? What's your testimony? I thank God for the text being transparent to us that we can see that Elijah was under a juniper tree. Uh, because he was getting depressed and although depressed depression is real somebody say but the Lord is stronger I wanted to say that although depression is real, the Lord is stronger than depression. Yeah, we've been talking about how much depression is real, but depression ain't the end of the story. Joy is stronger than depression. Gladness is greater than depression. Come on, somebody. We've been talking about depression. I know it's real, but ain't the only thing is real. The power of God is real too. While he's going through this low place, God sends an angel to him, which is supernatural assistance. He's under a juniper tree, and while he's under this juniper tree, the angel tells him, arise and eat. You got to get up and eat. Because you know when you're sad, you don't want to eat. You don't want to eat, he loses his appetite. The angel said, you got to get out of this funk. Tell somebody, you got to get out of this funk. got to get out of this low place. The angel come to him and kind of wake him up. Say, get up. You got to eat. You got to eat. You got somewhere to go. You got to start eating. I, I know you're feeling sad right now, but you got to start eating again. He's the angel touched him. Arise and eat. And when he got up and, and, and to eat, <laughs> the Bible says that there was a cake on coals. Let me go to go to verse. Go to. I didn't mean to go through all of this. We'll go to verse six. I meant to go through, but not in the scripture. Go to verse six. I want you to see this. Go to verse six. I got you to see this. He's on his juniper tree, figuring out what he's gonna do with his life, complaining about I don't fought for God, and now I'm about to die. This is about to be in my story. Angel came to him. Angel says, No, 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 no. Get up, arise, and eat. Look, and he looked, and behold, behold, there was a cake baking on the coals supernatural cooks God done sent the angel y'all gotta read the text it's in the Bible God done sent the angel from heaven the angel done woke him up and has baked now God somebody else God is special to me now God could have had some bread that he performed manna in the wilderness for his children I don't care what you're going through tell somebody God can take care of you I don't care if you don't understand where the money is coming from God can take care of you I don't care if you got laid off from your job God can take care of you I don't care if your family is in haywire God can take care of you. He's sitting there sad and wakes up and God done cooked the meal. And I keep telling y'all God is a show off. He had the nerve to put the, 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 the cake on the coals. Had him a hot meal. The angel said get up. Tell somebody get up. 
God's cooking for you. He's sitting there asleep in his depression, but God's cooking for him. He's wondering how he's going to get a breakthrough, but God was cooking for him. Supernatural. The devil can't block you in depression. The devil can't block you in your sadness. God's cooking for you. God can take care of his children better than anybody else. The Bible says that the lilies, they neither spin nor they toll, but yet your heavenly father knows what you have need of. He said, aren't you worth more than these? Tell somebody God can take care of you. He's sitting outside and God using an angel to wake him up and he's cooking. He's cooking. He got a cake. I don't know what to call it, a whole cake. Y'all know about it, it's like a pancake. God got a whole cake, a Johnny cake, on some coals. And he got a cruise of water right at his hand. See, some of y'all don't understand how close breakthrough and provision is to you. While you thinking the enemy got the last word, God is cooking up a miracle. God is warming up a blessing for you. While you think the walls are caving in, God got supernatural provision for his children. Tell somebody I'm a child of God. He said eat. He eat and he, he drank. And he laid him down again. Lord, help me. In verse 7, I got to read it again. Just, just keep me in the verses. I just... I was, trying, I was trying to give you a summary, but the teacher preaching me making me go through it. Verse 7, and the angel of the Lord came again a second time. The other thing I want you to know when God's trying to get you out of your funk, God will keep coming back to you. You think you're going to sit there and give up your destiny? You think you're going to get there and have a pity party? God will come back to your pity party, knock back on your door and tell you, I'm going to work with you through this thing. I'm going to walk you through this thing. I'm going to walk you through your loneliness. I'm going to walk you through your abandonment. I'm going to walk you through this time of being famished. God will never leave you for a second. He'll show up all over again. <laughs> Elijah ate the food and went back to sleep. The angel came a second time, touched him. See, some of y'all don't believe in supernatural assistance. The angel touched him, Elijah. Arise and eat. Listen, why you got to eat? Because that journey is too great for thee. Meaning if you don't eat, you're not going to have the nourishments to fight this next battle. See, here he is thinking about dying and God is talking about his future. Here you are thinking about what you can't do and God is talking about what you can do. Here you are thinking about what you are not and God is telling you who you are. Here you are thinking about what you don't have and God is telling you what you do have. Here you are complaining and not recognizing there is spiritual insight and resources. Tell somebody all around me there is provision to my left, to my right, uh, above me, below me, all around me there is provision. Oh God, the angel comes a second time. God shows his consistency not to leave us when we're down. He arose, he did eat and he did drink and he went in the strength of that meat 40 days. At 40 nights unto Horeb, unto the mount of God, verse 9, and came hither unto a cave. And now he went into a cave and he lodged there and behold, the word of the Lord came to him. 
and said to him, all right, now the word of the Lord comes to him. He got a little food in his, his tank. He got a little energy, but he's not going anywhere. He's back on his feet. He's not as discouraged anymore. But all he did is take the nourishment of God and go in a cave. It's the sign. It means that I'm going to live. Now, I'm not dying anymore, so he's, he's past the point of dying. I'm going to live, but I'm not going to do anything. He's now pulled his gift into a cave and says, I'm going to just sit in this cave. And what the, what's the word of the Lord says to him in verse 9? He said, what doest thou here, Elijah? What are you doing with your destiny? What are you doing with time? What are you doing with your breath? What are you doing with this, with this second chance I've given you? What are you doing with this mercy and grace I've given you? Why are you in this cave, Elijah? Elijah has decided to live, but he decided to not do the things of God. After this moment when God questions him and provokes him and says, what you doing in this cave, Elijah? Elijah begins to talk back to God and tell God his full complaint. Elijah began to talk to God. He said, look, God, you know the battle I've been through. You know what I've been going through fighting Jezebel and Ahab. And he basically tell God, God, I'm tired. He said, I'm tired because I'm the only one that's out here fighting in his confession to God, we see that his mind has gotten distorted through warfare. Sometimes when you're in a battle, sometimes your mindset gets distorted. He's so, he's so busy fighting that he thinks he's the only one fighting. There are some of us in the body of Christ, we're only fatigued and tired because we think we're the only one. Only one living holy. Only one want to please God. Only one. Boy, there ain't nothing hearing somebody talk about themselves. They the only one living for God. They the only one can hear God. They the only one going to stand up for righteousness. They the only one. And when you start living in the mindset that you're the only one, the devil will play against your mind. And sooner or later, you will feel like the only one. Because you don't got lifted up in your arrogance and in your pride think you're the only one. Elijah start talking to God that he the only one. I stood up to Ahab. I stood up to Jezebel. I was the only one. And God said, no, you're one of the ones, but you're not the only one. And sometimes your view get misconstrued that you can't see that God got a whole lot of people just like you. God basically tells Elijah, you ain't the only one standing. I got thousands of prophets who have not bowed down to Baal. I've even hid some in caves that's waiting to be preserved to the day of release. Tell somebody I'm not the only one. Come on, say, I'm not the only one going through. I'm coming down your road. I'm not the only had to face some hard things. Come on. I'm not the only one. The enemy will jack you up, put you in a corner, and make you think like you're the only one. You ain't the only one that's been abandoned. You're not the only one that had to go through fatherlessness. You're not the only one who somebody walked out on. You ain't the only one. And when you recognize you're not the only one, that means there are other people overcoming what you're going through. There are other people triumphing what you're dealing with. Because you ain't the only one. There are other people going through the same thing and winning just like you. <laughs> Tell someone I'm not the only one. God has to deliver Elijah from thinking he's the only one. The problem is here because if he thinks he's the only one, he puts himself in a place that he no longer shares with everyone. Because once you think you're the only one, you really can't help me. 
Because because you think you're the only one. But when you realize you're one of the ones, say, I'm one of the ones. We're one of the ones. And he recognizes because God has to correct his view. Because sometimes going through would distort your mentality. Yeah, it would distort your mentality about who you are and where you are and what you have. God has to break Elijah out of this distorted mentality that he's not the only one. And now that God has him at a place that he can use him again, this is what I want to begin to say in my, my final few, few points here, because I believe our church is moving into the greatest days of activation like never before. I said the greatest days of activation, the greatest days of deployment, the greatest days of people knowing their gifts, the greatest days of people knowing their authority, the greatest days of people knowing what they've been called to do. I see the saints coming to arise. I see gifts and purposes and things we've been through making sense. We are in the days of fulfillment and things are coming full circle and you're going to know why you went through it or why you had to go through it, why it had to be this way, why you was born where you was born, why you had the parents you had. God's going to make sense of the foolishness. God's going to make sense of the journey. God's going to make sense of the tears. God's going to make sense of the pain. Tell somebody things are moving now. God's going to make sense of where you've been and where you're going. Elijah now is activated. I want to use that word. Elijah is activated now because he's been provoked by God to get out of the cave and stop having a pity party and stop talking about what you ain't going to do with the gift because the last time I got used with my gift, I got hurt. Yeah, church hurt is real, but it ain't the only thing real. Church healness, church healing is real too. Church wholeness is real through. Church breakthrough. Come on, that ain't the only thing that happened in church. Like the only thing that happened in church that people got hurt. But will you testify and say, I got free in church. I got delivered in church. I got my joy back in church. I ain't hurt. Ain't the only thing that happened. We're not careful. We're going to let the naysayers lift up that the only thing that happened in church is people get hurt. You got to start testifying. I got my joy back in church. I understood God's purposes in church. Come on, y'all hear what I'm saying? Elijah's at that place that he's moving now in his gift. He's activated. And one of the ways that God gets him out of this place, he says, now it's time for you to share what I'm doing in you with other people. This is what's happening in verse 19 to 21. Because when God gets him out of the cave, God tells Elijah, now I need you to release your anointing on three people. Now, some of us don't really understand what's happening here, and I'm going to try to help you understand it. What's happening is the same thing I preached two weeks ago is many of us have, many of us have dormant oil. Oh, you're anointed, but you're dormant. Oh, you're gifted, but you're dormant. It means you have all the capacity to function and to do, but your oil is not flowing. Elijah has oil, but it's not flowing anymore because he's got caught up. He's the only one. 
But God said, I'm going to help you get out of this situation by getting your oil to flow again. And I, God says to Elijah, I need you to go and find Hazael and anoint him to be king of Syria. He said, then I need you to also find Elisha, the son of Shaphat, and I need you to anoint him to be a prophet in your stead. After you will come Elisha. He said, I need you to anoint Jehu. He's going to be king over Israel. So now he has to go anoint three people. And I want to pick up on the, the Elisha who he anoints. He anoints also Hazel and he anoints Jehu. But I want to talk about Elisha because in Elisha's story, we see how God provokes us to another level. Follow me, verse 19. So then he departed then. So now Elijah goes and he finds Elisha. Watch this. The son of Shaphath, all right, who was plowing 12 yoke of oxen before him, he with the 12. And Elijah passed by him and cast his mantle upon him. So now Elijah goes and it, just like God says, go find Elisha, the son of Shaphath, and I want you to anoint him. So as he goes and finds Elisha, he finds, listen, listen how the anointing can find you. It'll find you working. If you want to move to the next level of something, be a steward to what's in your hands. Don't start looking for God out there. Look for God right here. Too many of us look for God out there. If you want to find God, find God to whatever's in your hands. Because whatever in your hands is what God used to get you over there. So many people be looking for God. God, God, where are you? God, like I'm right here in your hand. But we want to ignore what's in our hands. He tells Moses the same thing. Moses wondered how he's going to get across the Red Sea. He said, Moses, what's in your hand? He said, I got a rod. He lifted up the rod. As he lifted up the rod, the sea separate. Moses had to learn what was in his, use what was in his hands. Many of us wonder why the next anointing is not on us. It's because we don't handle things right. We don't handle our seasons right. When, 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 uh, when Elijah comes upon Elisha, I want you to first notice that he finds him working. God loves to take employed people further. Somebody already serving. Somebody already engaged. Somebody already doing what's in their hands. Somebody already doing the best. I'm trying to help some of you who are wondering where God is. God is where your hand is. He found Elisha plowing 12 yoke of oxen. Now I want you to notice 12. I ain't going to do the number 12. It just means the government of God. But when he finds Elisha plowing, well, yoke of oxen, I want you to understand how this thing is working. It says Elisha was with the 12th. That's what it says, y'all saw it. Y'all see, he was with the 12th. 12 yoke before him, and he was with the 12th. Verse 19. So Elisha was with the 12th. So that means that when he came upon the field, Elijah said, number one, not you. Number two, not you. Number three, not you. Number four, now you're all the way to 12. So many times in your life, you feel like you're at the back of the line. Because Elisha was the 12th with the oxen. There were only 12 yoke of oxen on the field. There are times you feel like you're the last one, but God don't need you to be first to make you first. When it's your season and it's your time, you can be at the back of the line and God will come all the way to the back of the line and say, Joe, it's your season. Yeah. See, that's what's important because 
many of us get discouraged being 12th in line. And see, it ain't nothing frustrated at being in line where 11 other people may be slow. Or 11 other people got different agendas. See, when you're 12, your momentum may depend on who's in front of you. You can get frustrated on who's in front of you. You know, it could be on a job and like, I can't get no promotion because who's in front of me? Ain't nobody leaving this agency. Ain't nobody. You get all frustrated. I understand. I've been there. But God can pull you out the line and bring you to any place he'll call you to be. I don't care what number you are. God will find you when it's your season. I don't care if you're in Alaska. I don't care if you're in Hawaii. I don't care where you are. God know how to find you and bring you to the place he wants you to be. Elijah goes to the back of the line. Find the twelfth man and say, it's your time. It's your season. You've been working, you've been serving, and it's your time. Let me tell you something. You cannot miss the will. This is something I've been saying ever since I was a young minister. It has given me the greatest peace about life. It has given me the greatest peace about life. Thank you, sweetie. The greatest peace about life. Here it is. It's very profound. Very profound. You may want to write it down. I've been saying this for years, but it's very profound. It is, you cannot miss the wheel in the wheel. It's very profound. You cannot miss the will of God in the will of God. What the enemy comes to do is to get you out of the wheel. Because he knows you get out of the wheel, you can miss the wheel. But you can never miss the wheel in the wheel. As long as you stay in the will, it ain't no way you can miss the will of God. So many times when you're tempted and trials come in your life, the greatest task to do is to stay in the will of God. When the disciples are on the boat, that's coming up in a few weeks, I'll teach about that. The disciples on the boat, Jesus said, let's go up to the other side. The storm come, the tempest come. The greatest temptation at that moment is to jump ship. Because this ship don't seem to be holding us up. But let me tell y'all something, the safest place in the whole wide world is in the will of God. It may be rough, but it's rougher outside the will. It may be tough in the will. You may even cry in the will. But trust me, it's worse out of the will of God. Some of y'all ain't never been out of the will of God. But if you ever been out of the will of God, you know what I'm talking about. Yes, sir. <laughs> Nobody won't testify. But if you ever been out of the will of God, you'll be like, all right. I go through in the will of God, but at least the scripture says he'll deliver us from all them things. Many are the afflictions. See, that's the difference. That's the difference. That's the difference when you're in the will of God. The Bible says many are the afflictions of the righteous, but God will deliver them out of them all. It means that everybody go through, but everybody don't come out. Everybody go through trial, but everybody don't come out of trial. But those who are righteous and will stay in the will of God, all things are work together for the good. See, some of y'all cute, and y'all be casting pearls to swine. You be casting pearls to swine, telling everybody it's gonna work out for the good. You can't give that to everybody. The only things that work out for the good. Is to them who love God and to them who are called according to his purpose everything don't work out for the good for everybody but it's only for those who stay in the will God can make it work out for your good if you stay in the will of God the enemy comes to try to pull you out of the will of God yes, sir. Yes, sir. Elijah is found working <laughs> Elijah cast his mantle upon him meaning he puts a charge of obedience on him what happens in our life, if you're going to go to the next level, you also need relationships where somebody see greater in you. Because sometimes you will live life at your own speed. 
if you don't have somebody who can see a greater demand on your life. Elisha, Elijah comes on the scene and he tells Elisha, what you're doing is honorable, but you got more in you. When he puts the mantle on him, it's like you got more in you. He puts that mantle on uh, uh, Elisha and Elisha at that moment recognized something is different and he left the oxen. He ran after Elijah because he recognized that Elijah put a demand. You're more than somebody who can do oxen. You're doing good. You're serving your family. You're doing well, but God got something more for you. He comes after Elijah and Elijah and he says, uh, let me go father. And he said, I recognize my life is about to change. He said, let me go kiss my mother and father. Then I'm going to come and follow you. And he said, go back again this is what Elijah said for what have I done to thee this is what Elijah is saying to Elisha when God comes upon your life to change you and move you to the next level you got to let go old things Elisha is recognizing at this moment my life is about to change you know why some of us never go to the, go to the next level we are too busy keeping our life the same Every time God wants to take us further, we are fixed on keeping our life the same. We don't want to. We don't want to meet no new people. We don't want to meet no new change thinking. We don't want to have no change, no new scenery, no new people, no new appetite, no new menu. We don't want to see nothing. We want everybody, everything to be comfortable. We want everything to look the same. Everything to feel the same. And when God's trying to change us, we got to give up the old for the new. You got to let go of the old. Elisha recognized I got to let go of the old. He recognized I got to let go of the old. But he says to Elijah, let me, let me go, let me go, let me go. Let me go to my mother, my father, let me go take care of something. Elijah looks at him, this, 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 this is the point of maturity. Elijah looks at Elisha and says, go take care of your business. Because it's your choice. What I'm saying is, you can't go to the next level being a hostage. You can't keep going there and say the reason I'm coming to church because Pastor Joe won't be here. The reason I'm serving this way is because it is it is. Sooner or later, it got to transfer to your choice. Although he put the mantle on him and gave him a charge and gave him a demand to be better. Sooner or later, it has to become your choice to go where God wants you to go. God not taking no hostages to the next level. See, hostages are people who go to the next level like, I really don't want to pray. I really don't want to fast. Let me tell you something as a pastor. That's one thing I definitely don't, I can't, it just bothers me. And so when we start fasting, I really try to get everybody motivated to fast. Because I, I don't like the feeling when people fast and they're just like, oh, Jesus, we got to fast. We just got to fast. Oh, we got to fast. We got to fast. I can't eat no chicken. I can't eat no chicken. I can't have no ice cream. I can't have no ice It bothers me with that type of atmosphere where people don't understand the reason why we're fasting, the purpose why we're fasting, why we need to discipline ourselves, but everybody just crying and whining that we gotta fast. Sooner or later, the things of God has to become your choice. See, God like, God gave us, see God, one of the ways he shows love is by giving us a choice. You notice that God's giving us intellect, but none of us are robots. See, with robots, you just press the button and it has to do what you say. It's programmed to do what it needs to do. But God gives all this intellect, all this ingenuity, but then he wants us to choose him. See, that's where the love comes in, is when we choose him. Out of all the options that we have in the world, all the other things we could do, we still choose him. And I'm telling you, in this next level of life, it's going to have to be your choice. Because if not, you're going to keep blaming other people. 
See, you have to, you even have to choose to be happy. You can keep going to your spouse telling your spouse, you don't make me happy. And I'm not saying your spouse don't need to treat you right, right and have a wonderful environment where y'all love each other. But if your spouse is going to be in charge of your happiness, if your, if your spouse is going to have to be the one to bring joy to your life all the time, I don't need to just pray for you. I need to pray for your spouse because your spouse is going to have to have a lot of strength. If your spouse is going to have to be the one that make you skip and smile all the time and you don't skip and smile unless they make you skip and smile, you, I'm going to have to pray for your, I'm going to pray for your spouse before I pray for you. Because they're going to have to do a whole lot to keep you going. When are you going to choose to be happy? When are you going to choose to have peace? Come on. When are you going to choose to live a loving relationship? When are you going to, come on, it's my choice to be happy. Glory to God. I got a beautiful wife. She makes home worth living. But my God, my joy is full. So by the time I see her, she takes it overboard. You got to learn to have your own joy. Come on, you can't be getting married and talking about I need somebody to make me happy. You better be happy before you get married. I said you better be happy. Mary got, marriage got challenges and then you get into marriage with challenges and then the first thing you want to say is I ain't happy. The truth of the matter, you weren't happy when you said I do. Y'all ain't saying nothing to me. You better be responsible for your own peace. Responsible for your own self-esteem. Y'all ain't saying nothing. Talk about I got married so I can feel beautiful. You better be beautiful now. You better be beautiful. I got married so I can feel like a man. You better get your feeling right like a man before you get married. He makes Elisha responsible. Elisha comes back. I gotta go bury my. He said, You can go do, go take care of your business. But you're not about to say you're doing this for me. He said, you know, you're going to have to learn to say, this is my choice and my decision. So there's no hostages. Everybody say, no hostages in the next move of God. Verse 21, we're getting ready to pray. And he returned back from him, and he took a yoke of oxen, and he slew them, bore their flesh with the instruments of the oxen, and gave unto the people, and they did eat. What you notice what's happening here? Elisha recognizes the power of sacrifice. He also recognizes, I got to close shop on the old. If you don't close shop on the old, the old will resurrect itself. So many people don't understand how flesh works. You think that you can just have flesh and if you just, you just put flesh in a situation, don't you know that flesh remembers? Don't you understand your flesh remembers? So what he says is, he says, I'm not just going to keep these yoke of oxen because if I keep these yoke of oxen, I may go back. Things may get rough that I have something to go back to. One of the ways you got to move forward, you got to stop leaving the back door open. He takes the flesh of the oxen and he boils them. He takes the instruments of his previous life and he, he uses it as to boil and cook the oxen and then he gives it all away. What is he doing? He's setting himself free to obey. He's understanding the power of sacrifice. It's hard to obey when you keep so many options around. Some of us need to get rid of some stuff. No, get rid of it. You know, it's hard to get your ex out your life when you got pictures of them everywhere. I mean, it's just really hard. I mean, it's really hard. I'm just, when it's time to move on, you gotta be able to move on. Because if you're not careful, you can have a relationship with the past. 
Oh, oh you could the past could be dead and gone, but you still are down there nursing it. You still, if you're not careful, there's something about the human nature of man that if you're not careful, you will still be visiting old things. Come on, somebody, and wonder why your spouse wondering what you're doing because you can still be in the room looking at them old pictures. No, you got to give it all up for the new day. You got to give it all up to move forward. There cannot be no question if you're going forward in this season. You cannot be questionable if you're serious about the things of God. You got to give it up. Everybody say, give it up. <laughs> See, when you start talking about giving it up, they're like, that Lord, that Lord, that Lord, that Lord, that Lord. I, I always tell my story when I was going through my deliverance. And I always talk about R&B music, not that you can't listen to R&B music, and there's some good sounding R&B music, but as a single man, the R&B music I was listening to was not good. I hope you heard it clearly. And there's some things I had to get rid of so I can live holy. You can't listen to all that crazy music suggesting certain things and think you're going to live holy. I don't know what's wrong with us. I have to preach on this kind of stuff because we just think our flesh ain't supposed to respond. You know, and then we don't start singing this stuff. We don't set candles up in the house and all this kind of stuff. And then we act like our flesh is not going to respond to them candles. You done set the mood and you done told your flesh, don't you misbehave. Don't you act up tonight. Don't you show out on me. You done set the mood. And then you want your flesh to behave. Your flesh is like, I'm trying, I'm trying, I'm trying. There are things in your life you have to let go so you can have true freedom. There are things in your life you got to remove out of the way. Elisha recognized this is a changing life moment and I got to get rid of my oxen. You know, sometimes we don't get rid of things because we're too busy holding on to sentimental value. He says, so, he said, I'm going to get pleasure out of this. And the way he get pleasure out of it, he feeds people. He said, this is how I'm going to get rid of this. He said, I don't want to just waste it. Because the oxen has value. But I got to do something of value with it so I at least get some type of trade-off. He said, so I'm going to cook these babies and we're going to have the biggest barbecue. Y'all know what oxen is, right? That's ribs and steak. He said, we're going to have the biggest barbecue they ever seen. <laughs> and he invited all the people and they did eat. He gives out all the ribs and steak. And he goes after his life. I'm finishing verse, last verse and I want you to stand. Then he arose. And went after Elijah and ministered unto him. I'm telling you, it's time for you to rise and go after your next level. But God has to provoke you to the next level. Can you stand? I want to pray. I want to pray. I want to pray. You got to be provoked to the next level. You're not going to give up. God's not going to let you give up because you're going through some hardship. Elijah was going through hardship and God wouldn't let him give up. Elijah was in a place of being frustrated, drained, and exhausted, but God wouldn't let him give, give up. Some of us think God's going to leave us alone. God's going to keep knocking on our door till we say yes. Some of us think that God's just going to leave you alone because you made mistakes or faults, and you really just told God you was disinterested. I don't know if y'all like me. I was like that kind of person. I told God I was disinterested in everything he wanted me to do. God said, I want you to do this, and I said, God, I'm not interested. God said, I want you to do this. I said, God, I'm not interested. God said, I want you to move in the prophetic. I said, God, I'm not interested. I don't want to tell nobody nothing. Use somebody else. Some of y'all just like me. That's why I talk that way. That's how I told God. God, I'm not interested. I don't want to tell nobody nothing. What I want to talk to her for? What I want to talk to him for? God said, because I'm telling you to tell somebody. And he says, your whole life going to be locked up until you learn to obey me. 
He said, your whole life is going to be locked up. Everything you dream of, everything you inspire to do is going to be tied into your obedience. Some people don't understand that you've been fearfully and wonderfully made. What it means is that in your DNA of how you're made, you also have to obey God for the full blessing to come on your life. You have to obey God. And here is Elijah dealing with the challenge of being lonely, discouraged, needing companionship, but learning to obey. Will you lift your hands? I feel a greater obedience for our church as well. I feel like in this next level, it's not about what the pastor say, even though he may say something. Not about what the leaders say, but he may say something. It's about our choice with God. He may give us a charge, but we got to have a choice. And nobody want to keep leading people that don't want to go anywhere. I say nobody want to keep leading people that don't want to go anywhere. Sooner or later, you want people to agree and go with you. Come on, nobody want to be fussing with you every morning about what we got to do. Come on, just like parents with a child. Children know the routine. Monday through Friday, we get up, brush our teeth, wash our face, we go to school. Don't act like on Wednesday you don't know what we're doing. We're doing the same thing we do every week. I shouldn't have to fuss and fight with you. You know what the routine is. I believe we're at that place that God wants to prepare us to go to the next level. We got to understand these principles that God will provoke us to the next level. He will provoke us. He will not back away, but he will stay with us. Hands lifted. Father, I thank you for this word today. I thank you that you are provoking us to change, provoking us to grow. Provoke us to go to the next level. Provoke us to mature. Provoke us into obedience. Provoke us to do what you've called us to do. Provoke us into righteous living. Provoke us, Lord, that we understand it's our time for change. It's our season to grow. It's our time for things to come full circle. And we understand the will of God for this time and this season. So, Father, we say yes to you all over again. We say yes to what you're saying for us to do. And I believe like never before in this season that you're going to activate us and push us into greater purpose. This we do pray. You believe that? Clap your hands and praise them. Come on. Come on. Provoke to the next level. Provoke. 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 God's not going to leave you alone. God's not going to leave you alone. He's going to keep working with you till he push you into that place. Just like he worked with Elijah. And just like he showed us how to respond to the demand on our life through Elisha, God's going to provoke us to the next level. God bless you. If that blessed your soul, we will love for you at your next opportunity to join us in worship every Sunday morning in Monticello, the Victorious Church at 8 a.m. Or our Dream Center location here in Tallahassee at 10 a.m. We would love to have you and your family, and we can't wait for you to join us at any of our locations. This is Pastor Joseph Davis. God bless you, and join us again.